Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. sports we got some sports some fans some fanatics some girl I see I see I see hands of ladies all over the place we got football fans and timber fans we got soccer fans come on I didn't like soccer but you get the soccer bug and you start to love soccer it's coming David it's coming it's coming the timbers the timbers army is will arise um we got cricket any cricket fans Aussies Canadians I don't know cricket big up there hockey that's right hockey that's right, the kid, no, the Blackhawks won, that's right, oh, that's right, but yes, hockey is beautiful, and, and, uh, but man, this fall is coming, so football is coming, probably the greatest sport, let's just be honest, <laughs> a couple of us agree with that statement, but, um, and this will be a fall to remember, right, I mean, after this summer, the leaves will start falling, and the sweaters, and the candles, man, I cannot wait, but we're still in summer, so let's not get ahead of ourselves, but I'm just saying, I'm just imagining football season coming and uh, colder weather and rain. I kind of miss the rain just a little bit. Just saying. We are not on the same page. So, so moving on, I'm just going like, to just keep preaching here. So when, when football season comes, I, I've learned that um, i got to change my ways here. Because what happens is, is football comes and there's like a Thursday night college game. And then there's a... Big game on Saturday, probably a couple of them, and then, of course, church, and then after church, because we DVR the games, we don't miss church for football, of course not. So we go home, we watch the DVR big game, and then that night, Sunday night football, and then Monday night football comes around, and I tell Carrie, babe, there's a big game tonight. And she's like, really? How is there another big game? Wasn't the big game a couple days ago, and then a couple days ago, and then a couple days So I realized I got to get babe on my team, on the same page. So that she's invested and wants to watch the game. It's not just men running into each other, right? Babe, you know that kid? That's the kid they didn't believe in, like David. And he's, he's on a team. And this is his big moment. Babe, pull up. Come on, come sit down. Let's watch this game. This is really exciting. And like NBC, you know, when they, when, they, when they air the Olympics, they've learned that a lot of us don't care about these sports, like curling. You know, you're like, you know, just, hey, let's watch some curling, babe. But if they tell you about the story about the kid who's been pushing ice cubes, you know, since he was two. And, like, he's, like, this, his whole life, right, is forged around the next match. It's like, babe, you got to watch this. It's like, why? But when they tell you the story, you're like, you start to cry, man. You're like, I mean, those, those stories come alive. If I can get Carrie to connect with what's happening, then it's exciting. But we, we love, we love we love sports. We love teams. We like rivalry. I'm a 49er fan. Don't I know this is Seahawk country. But listen, have you ever played someone and they didn't care that, that you won? It doesn't mean anything. Rivalry is good. It, it, it matters. It's, it makes it real. And so you've got rivalries. And, but again, there's nothing like your team. I got to go to Levi Stadium last year and being around all the blue. Again, nothing against Seahawks, but being amongst the red all the t-shirts, the 40, I mean, it just felt good. There's nothing like being with your team. There's nothing like being with your team and winning. 
with your team. There's nothing like winning. I think that we're created in the image of God. We're created to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. There's something in us that wants to win. But I think that something in our nature takes root and takes hold and we bring it into Christianity, which might not be so under that same system where we, we want to win. We want people on our team. And so we just Christianize it. We want people on Team Jesus, right? And it's exciting. And so we want people on Team Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. And we want people on Team Activate. It's awesome. We love all the churches in the world. But when someone comes to our church and puts a red sticker on the back of their minivan or bike or whatever... Like, we're like, yes, they're on our team. This is awesome. It's a little more excited. There's something to that. We like team. We like winning. The problem is we're in this sort of winning team struggle, gamesmanship. And the problem is the kingdom of God is actually not like that, especially New Testament. But even in the Old Testament with David, when David declared the battle, the struggle, the who's going to win, that, that intense moment of what happens and what makes a match or a game so real is because anything could happen and you want to win. And David declares that, that struggle, that battle, the, the game in essence is the Lord's. Pointing to Jesus who hangs on a cross 2,000 years ago, but, but way after David, and he declares that it is finished. Game over. Well, hold on. <laughs> and Jesus uses language like that. It's not about we're trying to win. Jesus is declaring, um, we won. So we're trying to figure this out. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. And it's like, well, hold on. It doesn't feel like we won. It feels like I'm trying to win at life. I'm trying to be a better Christian, trying to get to church, trying to be holy, trying to, trying to figure some things out. What do you mean we won? Jesus declared it is finished. My grace is sufficient. See, there's not a lot of leeway there. But in a match, in a game, it's like, we don't know exactly who's going to win. Jesus is declaring, I know who won, and the game is over. I won. I defeated the enemy. Game over. Done. Time to celebrate. We already won. Now, every day is a celebration of what happened. What? My grace is sufficient. My love never ends. My mercy is new every morning. That does not indicate a supply problem. There's no like, well, we don't know if we can get the mercy here today. Come on, guys. We got enough for all. These guys need a lot. Mercy's never ending. My love never fails. My love never runs out. This is God's joy and peace that surpasses all, all understanding. Peace that surpasses all, not some, but all. See, this is language of like game over. <laughs> and yet we're in this like winning. Come on. It takes, you want to talk about faith. If you don't get anything, get this. It takes faith to believe that this is not a book of do's and don'ts. It it takes a lot of faith to believe that this is not the strategy on how to win. This is a set of promises and truth about game over. He won and you get to put your faith and receive everything that he's already done. Not trying to get you to do, but believe by faith of what he's already done and accomplished. That takes a lot of faith. That's why this is so awesome. I still have this little thing. I don't know why. Someone told me this, and I, I know it's superstition. I know it's not real, so I don't want to pass this on. But I still can't put anything on, the, on top of the Bible. If I see a Bible, <laughs> and it's, it's like this, I'm like, oh, oh, get that book off. 
That's the Bible. That's the word of God. And I know it's wrong. I don't mean to put my own superstition on you. But someone got that into me when I was little. And it's still like, whoo! The reason this is so the best-selling book of all time in the Word of God is not because it's a roadmap to your holiness and a roadmap to your purity and a roadmap to some sort of success. This is not on a game. This is not a, the, the strategy book on how to win. This is the, the promise of what he's already done and accomplished. And by faith is how you receive it. By faith is the only way to actually tap in and get, and get a hold of and receive what he's already done. It takes faith. It takes faith. And when the disciples asked Jesus, a lot of people teach Luke 11. Jesus, teach us to pray. They preach it that it's teach us how to pray. That's not in the Bible. The disciples didn't ask, teach us how to pray. They already knew how to pray. They already had the strategies in the Old Testament on how to petition and how to supplicate and how to the sackcloth and the ashes and how to feel remorseful and how to pause and how to selah and how to meditate and how to come before God with a conscience. They knew what to do. They had the strategy. They weren't asking that. The original language is teach us to pray. Cause us to pray. Make us pray. Jesus, say something. Give us something that would give me your prayer life and your connection with the Father. We're out here doing hours of prayer and it's not making any sense and it's not working. Cause us to pray. Make us pray. And Jesus said, ask and receive. Ask and receive. Do we ask and wait around long enough to receive? You know, we've been talking about David, and so we get so excited about coming to him as we are. Remember, David's like, God, I hate you. Kill everybody. It's like, woo! Okay, there's a good point. Come to God as you are. God, I hate everybody. Lord, I feel stupid. I'm insecure, God. Oh, that felt so good. I'm vulnerable before the Lord. Yes, and that's awesome. But do you stick around long enough in that prayer to receive the healing for that and to receive the joy and receive the peace and receive from God who says he is God and the source and the supply of Everything you need, he's already accomplished it, and he simply wants to give it to you. That takes faith. Cause us to pray. You want me to cause you to pray? When you come into my presence, have faith that I'm a good father, and I want to give to my kids. Have faith. Have faith that everything that this book says you can have, you can have. Every promise is for you, not for someone else. That this is your inheritance. That this is your future. That you are forgiven. That God loves you. He loves you so much. This will purge every lie and every insecurity. Do you stick around long enough in that prayer, in that moment, or in that church service to not just ask, but to receive something he wants to give you? Receive it. That will cause you to pray. I, need, I get to get something from God? Absolutely. You get to get something from God. You get to get something from God. Yeah. That's the faith. I get to receive. Today, I'm further on in my faith than I've ever been. That's the mindset. Who knows? Who knows? We've already taken a mindset of, well, waiting around for something bad to happen. We've been so, gone through so much sometimes, we're just expecting bad things to happen. God's like, that needs to turn around through faith and start to expect that I am a God who says who I am and I have promises for you. This story, out of all the things that David went through, this might not be the same for you, and that's okay. There's a reason I end with this portion of, 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 of Scripture, and there's obviously many more, but... When, when, when David does things, it always baffles me. When he says things, it's always the opposite of what I would say. He's, he's killing lions when I wouldn't. He's not killing Saul when I would have. Here's David, and this moment, to me, is what blows me away. David goes from a shepherd nobody 
a nobody that no one believed in, no one saw, no one understood, and within a few days becomes an international rock star. This is what happens. This is what's taking place. I'm talking to my mom about, about the 60s and back in the day with, with Beatlemania, and she got to go see the Beatles in San Francisco, and girls would like faint and fall over because of the presence of the Beatles. Like, this makes Beatlemania look like just nothing. Amen. This is, this is David coming on the scene, and, and tens of thousands, it says, women and girls from, from all the cities and, and all the villages came out to sing and dance and play music for David. Now they're singing to Saul, they're honoring the king, but they're giving greater honor to David, almost to the point of, of worshiping him. I mean, again, what's the last time you've been to a concert where we, we've seen people gather to listen and celebrate a rock star, but when's the last time you've seen a, and just a crowd come and a song forms and they're basically singing to the rock star? This is what's, this is what's going on. They're not just coming out to see him. They're not just coming out to hell. That, that's David. He's all, they're not coming out to just be in the presence of a president or be in the presence of someone famous. They're so moved. Their love and admiration for David is so big that it says all the cities, all the cities. Just, just, just picture if this happened to you. You went from a nobody to a somebody in a couple of days and literally you're walking to work and, and you're just trying to get to work. And, and people come out of Vancouver and spreads the Washougal and Beaverton and Hillsboro and Seattle, and it, it starts to starts to spread to all the villages and all the cities. Girls are starting to come out to gather to not just see him, but to sing and dance and praise his name. Up until the point of of heresy, here they're lifting up the name of David and they're singing, twirling to David. Just think about that. Just, 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 just. How much would that change you if you went from having nothing to having the wealth of the kingdom? If you had no name, which most of us do right now, to 100 million Instagram followers. That's what this is like. That's the equivalent. Off the charts, international rock star. Everybody wants to be you. Everybody wants to be around you. Everybody from the servants to the generals to the ladies to the girls. I mean, everybody. Wants to be David. Everybody. And Israel at that point is at the center. And so international fame. What would that do to you? If you had nothing and within days you had everything. And you were the most famous person legitimately on the planet. You're, you're the kid who took out Goliath. You're the general of the army of Israel. Whew. What would happen? It says that nothing happened. This blows me away. I mean, I literally had to, I mean, the lions, okay, Saul, okay, his prayers, but David is here and he's given international fame and it says that he came in and he went out and nothing changed. No VIP, no entourage, no, no secret service. I got to get through the back door. I mean, just imagine if you're David and you literally have tens of thousands of girls and women dancing and like playing and they're singing and they're doing their thing about you. And David doesn't go, um, let's go through the back door. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, Bieber mania, Beatlemania, it's going off the charts like the nation has never seen ever. And you got David... <laughs> These girls are dancing. They're like, I love you. Oh, my God. And David's like, hey, how you doing? What's your name? What village are you from? <laughs> David said he went in. 
And he came out amongst the people, amongst the craziness of the fans and the worship and the people who are saying, you are the best thing in the world just to touch you, just to see you, just to get close to you. We're going to sing a song and celebrate the entire nation. And there's Saul, angry, hurt. Why? When Saul got rejected from God, it says that I did it. I wasn't obedient to God fully. First Samuel 15, 24. Because the people wanted it, Samuel. The people wanted it, Samuel. The people wanted it, Samuel. See, Saul was all about pleasing people. David was all about pleasing God. David stood there in that moment unaffected only because who he was and what he got, he did not get from people, but he got from God. Saul, what he got, he got from people. So what you get, what becomes your source, you got to please. David didn't have to please the people because his faith, his holiness, his prayer life, his peace and joy, he got it from God. He did not get it from people didn't move him whether they were they were they were not believing in him or or hating on him or praising him it says that David was the same person cuz David stood there in front of people basically worshiping him and adoring him knowing that what he got he did not get from them he got from God we can't outsource our soul we have to stop outsourcing our soul I can't get what I need from you. I can't, you you can't be the source of my faith. Only God can be the source of my faith. Why are we trying to get from people what they can never give us anyways? You can never get what you really need from anybody. All you can do is get what you need from God. He is the source. But yet we outsource. Babe, make me happy. Church, make me happy. People, make me happy. Give me faith. Someone give me faith. Someone give me encouragement. And we get frustrated with people. Why do we get frustrated from people? They can't give us what we need anyways. But we get added frustration with people who are like, make me happy. Encourage me. Love me. You're a horrible friend. Why aren't you giving me what I need? And there's God saying, I can only give you what you need. I need to be the source of everything you need. That's David. David figured that out. God became his source for everything he needed. Well, is this a message on people don't matter? No, actually, what I get, what I need, I can only get from God. God is the source of my getting. You're the source of my giving. But not only is there frustration in that, there's double frustration. Because if I try to get from you what I need, I can't get it. And then doubly frustrated is I can't give you what I want to give you because I never got it. Because I'm trying to get it from you, but I can't get it from you. I can only get it from God. You got that? So, So I can only get what I need to get from the source. I can't outsource it to you. But once I get it, what I freely get, I can freely give. And there's nothing like giving freely in relationships. Here. Here's 10 text messages to zero. I'm not counting because I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm not trying to get something. I already got it. (laughs) I already got love. 
I already got a past forgiven. I already got some joy. I already got some mercy. I, I already got some identity. I already got some faith. I already got some life and some strength and some peace and some joy and some energy. And none of my situation has changed. But he's my source. And what I got, what I received, I freely give to you. Here's some love. Hey, here's some encouragement. You can waste it if you want. Doesn't matter. It was a gift. Here. Here, some encouragement. I'm punting the ball. Just, oh, hey, 20 phone calls to one. Ha! Who's counting? Takes faith to believe that 1 Corinthians 13 is not a motivational speech. You can't do it. It's a revelation about his love. Go get it. Go get some of it. Go get some of it. Your husband, your wife won't make you happy. Single people getting married won't make you happy. The right job won't make you happy. Enough money. Stop outsourcing to your husband, to your wife, to your boss, to your kids, to your family. When you can only get it from the source. God, you're not the source of my getting. Thank goodness. Thank goodness I'm not the source for yours. Pastor Isaac. That's why I go by Isaac. I can't be your source. I'm not the Pope. Pope can't be your source. Even if you do ever get to kiss the ring and be in the presence of the Pope, it doesn't matter. Pope, if you hear this, I love you. I'd love to meet you. I didn't mean any disrespect. I think he podcasts us. I just wanted to say that. I can't get what I need from you. You can't get what you need from someone. Why are we outsourcing our soul to people? David was unaffected. He could stand in the center of probably one of the greatest international scenes of fame that we ever see of biblical proportion. And he can stand there unmoved. That challenges my faith because I think it would move me. If this church became just overnight, people were singing and thousands of girls, and I'm married, so this would be awkward, but... Thousands of girls are dancing and singing to me. And you're going to tell me I'm just going to be all like. And towards you, if you got everything, you got a mansion tomorrow, a palace, people, servants, everybody worshiping you, saying you're the best thing in the world. And you're just going to stand there and go in and go out amongst the people like it's all good in the hood and nothing's changed because the people aren't your source. Whether they hate you or praise you doesn't move you because what you got and who you are and what you do, you got from the source. So you're already filled. So whether they talk about you or they praise you, whether they hate you or love you, you're not trying to get something from them because you already got it. Your mentality now is you are the source of my giving. I just simply want to, like Jesus, give you what I got here. Jesus loved a lot of people that wasted that love. It's not the point. When you got something, you get to give it. It's exciting. Here, here. Some mercy, some grace, some encouragement, some love. Here's a Jesus story. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I just wanted to give it to you. Here's the gift. When you have it, you can freely give it. When you don't have it, all you have is the ability to try to manipulate and get something from somebody. When the Bible's saying here, there's a kid thousands of years ago that figured it out through faith. Battle, it's the Lord. It's over. He won. This verse always baffled me because I understood it from a Bible college perspective, but never from a, like a practical, God, what really, did, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Because it kind of sounds like it. Like I already knew that. Thanks. Another kick to the head. Like a motivational speech. Come on, people, get faith. Get faith. It's not, but because faith starts to reveal that, that this revelation of God, this is a book, this is a revelation of God. This is his story. That my faith tells me that the God that I serve, my Father in heaven, sent his Son because he loves me to take my place on the cross because he loves me. He's not mad. He loves me and he gave himself for me. He gave everything he has for me and he just wants me to receive it. And I'm, off, off, and I'm off pleasing people, trying to get from people what I can only get from God. It doesn't please him because like any dad with any son, all he wants to do is give him what he has. And God, our Father, has the resource of heaven. So with faith, it pleases God because my faith tells me that God wants to give me what he has. See, so without faith, I'm off pleasing you to get something that I need. Faith tells me I can't get it from you. I can only get it from God. He's my dad. He's my father. He's, he's my source. He's my joy. He's my forgiveness. He's my bright morning star. He's my alpha. He's my omega. He's the lamb that was crucified. He is my prince of peace. He is my endless and infinite source. So faith tells me, God, here I am. You are my source, and that pleases God. And without that faith, we're off trying to please people. When they're not supposed to be the source of our getting, they're supposed to be the source of our giving. But I can't give what I don't have. I think when man's hurts and man's praises start to affect us less, we start to figure out that our faith is getting put back into God. Because we're getting from God what we were trying to get from man. So all of a sudden when things start to switch and God becomes the source, what man says good or bad about us doesn't quite affect us as much because they're no longer our source. So I'm, I'm starting to like turn off that. Nothing personal. I just don't need you to, to like love me to get through my day as much. And, and your comment about my message or my shirt or my jeans or my kid, it, it doesn't hurt me as much. No, no offense. Because I'm getting filled up over here. But don't worry, I'm not getting filled up on hate and weird. And I'm getting love. I'm getting grace. I'm getting mercy. And so when you do talk about me, man, I can just like shoot back some love. It doesn't ruin my day as much. I have as many awkward conversations as you do with people. And I go home and I lay on my bed and replay them. And torture myself about how stupid I am. But they start to tweak me less. Because it's less about you than it is about the brokenness in my own soul. But it's so easy to blame you when I don't have what I need. Because you've become my source. But when my source, David said in Psalms 87, all my springs are in you. All my springs. See, when your boss no longer becomes your provider, it's it's more easy to serve them because you're not tied to everything you need. The future of your finances are not tied to that person who doesn't see you or promote you. But God becomes truly, 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 faith says that he's my provider. 
So when God starts to fill you with dreams and visions and humility and a heart of a servant and excellence and stewardship, the heart of David, you start to go back and, and, and what he does and says doesn't phase you as much because they're the source of your giving. Let me love you. Let me support you. Let me, let me get around you. Even though you're just crazy, I'm just going to kill you with kindness. Spirit of God, Spirit of Jesus. And we care less, it sounds bad, but we care less and less of trying to get people to believe in our dreams and believe in who we are and believe in what we say and get people on our team. And we start to realize that they don't have what I need. I remember when Jude was little, we'd run out of diapers at like one in the morning and go down to the corner store. They got Slurpees, but there's no diapers. And then you go to another store. It's so frustrating trying to get something when you need it. It's like, babe, I'm sorry. There's no diapers. We're trying to get from each other what, what we don't have. I can't be your source. We, we believe in holy handshakes. I could give you $100, but we can't holy handshake our way through life. He has to become your source. I can pray for you. I can pray for you, but he needs to be your source. I can preach to you and open the word of God, but he needs to be your source we can, we can worship and pray and do everything, but he needs to be your source. We cannot outsource our faith. He needs to be the source of my faith. We cannot outsource our happiness today. He needs to be the source of our happiness today. I want to read as we close this series. Just close your eyes. and With this perspective, let's read Psalms 23. With this perspective of David, penning this psalms thousands of years ago, without this sermon, (laughs) in the presence of God, he writes this and figures this out all on his own through faith, that the Lord is my shepherd. I don't care if you've been in church for 50 years. He needs to be your shepherd this morning. He's your shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's your shepherd. And when he's your shepherd, David said, I shall not want. He has everything I need. (laughs) He has everything. Let faith arise this morning. Let this statement be a statement of truth and promise that he is your shepherd. He is your shepherd. You're going to look at other people, and they had more finance, they had more college, they had more friends, they had a better background, they had a different place to grow up in. That is not a shepherd. Those, those are beautiful things, they're wonderful things, but he is still your shepherd. When that becomes more real, I shall not want. And here's David in the Old Testament making this New Testament phrase of, he makes me lie down in green pastures. David, he makes you? No, you're supposed to make yourself. You're supposed to try to get into God. And David makes the statement that God's trying to pursue me and he's chasing after me and he's trying to give me himself. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. Nothing else restores my soul. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's just a shadow. It's not death, it's just a shadow. He defeated death on the cross. It's just a shadow. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil because you're with me. He's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. 
He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He, he might not take all my enemies away, but he is so faithful to put a table, put provision in the presence of, of my enemies that I can eat and be, be sustained and be blessed and possibly give to them. See, Jesus said, love your neighbor. And he also said, love your enemy. And sometimes they're the same person. The people closest to us can hurt us the most. So Jesus said, I'm going to put a table right in the presence of where you are. Because you're going to get from me what you need. And you're going to give it to them. You anoint my head with oil. This is just David. Could you imagine David thinking about being a young boy in that ceremony? So thankful for Samuel, but knowing that it was God who anointed him. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's my source. He's my source. Let's stand today. We're going to sing this. And I believe that we're going to ask, but not just ask, we're going to receive. We're going to ask and receive. Because God is our source, and God wants to give us, because He's a good dad. He wants to give us Himself. He wants to give us who He is. And what he has, the resource of heaven. Let's stop outsourcing what we need. So much frustration in that. Let's go from frustration to faith today saying, God, give me what you want to give me, Lord. God, give me what you want to give me, Lord. Give me the faith to receive it. I want you to be my shepherd. Be the source of everything I need. Speak to me, God.